Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests will tell their story with the help of 12 questions in just 30 minutes. I'm your host, Mike Salitro, and today we are very excited to be joined by Tiffany Chang. Tiffany is the founder of Inspire My Day. She helps expats who feel stagnating, stagnated in the middle management move up to the top 1% in their organization by changing the way they influence themselves and others so they can make more, impact more, and become more. Prior to becoming a career and leadership coach, she was the vice president of communication at the Volvo Group and the Atlas Copco Group. Tiffany, welcome. We are really excited to talk to you today. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. And uh, you know, we briefly uh, chatted beforehand, but one of the things that jumped out at me in the bio, I mean, there's many accolades that I did not get to, and your bio is very impressive. Uh, but in that first paragraph, talking about uh, communication style and the word influence, influencing uh, how we communicate, influence ourselves and others. Uh, so it jumped out at me specifically, influence as opposed to motivate or other verbs. How come uh, you landed on influence or, or how does how does that make the most sense for you? Yeah, so maybe I should put a context of what influence I mean here. There are two layers. One is how you influence yourself. And second is as a leader and not marketer. Well, what I really coach is people who want to become a leader and leading an organization, leading business, leading leaders, leading teams. So how they could influence others so that they not only know what is happening, not only know what they need to do, but also buy into feeling engaged of taking actions. So that is what influence means. And that, that makes a lot of sense because I, I think sometimes we'll get hung up on uh, the motivation piece where it's like, I need somebody to give me a reason to do this. Or, But really, when you say influence, when you inspire others, you kind of have that internal reasoning behind it. And, and that kind of will lead to uh, the results we're looking for. So and as you reference uh, the leadership roles with the clients that you work with, that there are... Uh, looking to achieve or, or move toward, you uh, had the opportunity to hold yourself. How how did you uh, move up in your career and, and how have you turned that into a, a vibrant leadership uh, coaching program? Yeah, so my story started from very early on in China. So I, I'm Chinese and um, I studied English, uh, which has nothing to do with what I'm actually doing right now. But through the years, I really realized that the to be able to climb the corporate ladder, there are many people who really stuck at they become expert in what they do and they're seeing as an expert. So I work with a lot of top-notch engineers. They are so brilliant at what they do. But when it comes to communication and influence up in board members of how to take buy-in and invest uh, all the way to going influence down, how to uh, communicate and inspire the team to take actions, they uh, really stuck at where where that that part, which is to get people to feeling engaged and take their part. So that's how I become more and more interested in this area. And since it's been 10 years, I worked in communication. Um, so started from China, then marketing, marketing. I, I went to Bentley Motors, then I went to um, Volvo Group, and then I was uh, become the expat going to the headquarters of the Volvo Group, then going to Sweden and Europe uh, as their vice president of communication. So my entire career is very much surrounded with all kinds of communication, internal, external, reputation, corporate. That's how I climbed my corporate ladder all the way to the vice president. 
Very nice, very nice. And as you reference being in multiple geographies, uh, different companies, different cultures, different languages. So you have the communication challenge when you're in a large organization in general, when everyone uh, it starts off with speaking the same language, but then you've got different languages, different countries. How are you able to navigate that? Or, or how do you coach on when that's a uh, part of the equation? Well, that's a very good question. Um, you know, the kind of corporate uh, world I work for, they um, people, for example, work at Volvo are very loyal employees and you'll find easily many of them have stayed 20 years, 30 years and their brothers, sisters and their parents even worked in these companies. So um, that also make our job much easier to talk um, more inclusive and more consistent language in the company. And on top of that, it's really about, um, I mean, communication takes a lot of work for anyone, leader or not leader, to communicate. It's really not about our language, ourselves. It's about walking in the shoes of the others and understand what they cares most. And that is beyond language. It, it, it more touches people's heart and what is it that is in it for them to understand that regardless of any language, you will be able to inspire people and get them on board to your initiative and your projects. That, that's a really important piece that regardless of the uh, communication, the language that if understanding a, who the audience is, why they're listening and why they care, why they would, why they will take action after what you say is important. So that's, that's wonderful advice. Uh, there's a line in the bio that mentions that you've got some small children at home and you speak English, French, and Chinese all, all at yes. home. Um, so kind of changing gears a moment, how, how is it that people can learn different languages? How can they, how are you incorporating it in your home to teach your children? Let's start there. Well, <laughs> I'm afraid I'm not doing a super job here. So <laughs> Yeah, my husband is Belgian and I, I came here to, for my job and then I met him and that's how we get started. And then our kids was uh, both of them, they are four and six years old right now. They were born in Belgium. So in Belgium, there are already three official languages here, French, uh, Flemish is similar to Dutch and German. So it's quite common for anyone here to speak minimum three languages. <laughs> and we're not even talking about English right here. So um, I think for my kids, they are they're actually a quite late start in their school. The teacher always complain they don't understand French enough because we're just having way too many mixed languages at home. And um, it's a very fun uh, journey to, to take my kids into all these mixed cultures and languages and myself as well. I think the most important when you enter a new culture is really to understand the culture. Language, I take it as second, probably because I'm not so good at it. And I just think to, to try to understand the culture is the first and most important. And language, I would say it's second. Also, because language takes much longer as also we are getting older. <laughs> it, it, takes my, it took my kids like three months to master Chinese. <laughs> and it would take me three years not even to master uh, French in, in any level. That's, that's, a, that's a great point I want to follow up on because I think it's very insightful and accurate that the culture piece far, I don't want to say far always, but it, it really does that you can speak the language, you can understand the words when, how to use them. But the culture piece is, you know, 
so much more important because it's the context, it's the when, the how, and what you know how uh, you know, how things on on the ground actually are. What's so as somebody who's lived in multiple areas, how how can one learn the culture or get an idea of what they're about? To, is they're traveling either you know for a long term vacation for a job? What's a good way to do that, and how have you done that? Well, I'll tell you, I've made a huge amount of mistakes <laughs> and the time I entered the European culture. I mean, I, I lived and right, I was growing up in China until I was 28 years old when I came to Europe and I straight went to work at Volvo, right? It's a Swedish company and Sweden is, it's a place of its own, has its own culture. I'll give you an example. That is in the summertime, uh, Sweden, entire Sweden will be off for basically six to eight weeks. Wow. And they don't work. The the restaurants and the factories, it's all closed. And for someone who comes from China, and I have a lot of colleagues from US, it's so hard to understand how come a company can close down for six weeks. And we don't even feel comfortable as we have many expats from other side of the world. And we didn't really understand in the very beginning. We even label them as lazy. <laughs> and uh, but as we was was living here for a very long time, we realized that living in Sweden, majority of the year, up to six months, you only have maybe five hours of sunlight, even some 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 months even shorter. So that means you always live in the darkness, and it's normally very cold and uh, and uh, humid. So people really have no chance to enjoy the sun. That means they they go to school grocery shopping and all the things they live in darkness. So that summertime, uh, so during the summertime, Sweden gets like 15, 16 hours of sunlight. Even some places get like 20 hours of sunlight. They really want to maximize that time to be outside and doing all the things they were not able to do for the previous 10 months of their year. So that is just how important it is for them. They basically do everything a normal people would do in that in that two months window to to enjoying life and enjoying the sun. So when you understand that perspective, you you tend to understand that they also work more in other months. In that even though that there are, there are these two months that they don't work so much. So when you understand that perspective, you also have the empathy and understanding why things behind these decisions. And that that's a great example to really illustrate that point very well because as you point out americans and i will and you were kind enough to point out a mistake you made I'll, I'll, i will take this on for all americans we just assume everybody speaks english or can communicate with us and if we even think about how the culture is impacted it is going to be how does it impact me as opposed to when i am there what is the proper protocol what should i expect um, so that, that's a really good example of saying, well, they don't work for six weeks. They must be lazy when in fact you figure out the why behind it and it makes a lot more sense. And that kind of ties in well with the communication piece that if you know, you're just have new initiatives, new, new uh, marketing directives, and there isn't a why, or there isn't a reason for the uh, employees who are executing them, it's going to be really hard to get it off the ground. Um, mm -hmm. you know, having such a trajectory at, at Volvo and impressive companies, what would you say the key to your success in the corporate setting was, or how were you able to uh, really get to that top percent, that top, those top roles that many uh, strive for, but uh, usually don't reach? Mm. It was a long journey for me as well. I, um, I'm, you know, 
growing from China is a highly competitive country. You just have to compete basically in everything from little when we we're in school to all the way to get jobs. And um, so I was highly competitive as well. And I always wanted to progress my career faster. So when it comes to the time when I was in the middle management, it was time to go to the top. I tried many things. So I, I am good at hardworking. I can outwork everyone else. <laughs> Six days a week, seven days a week, not a problem for me. <laughs> and I can definitely deliver results. And I can definitely be nice to people. And I thought these are the three elements what that will got me from uh, middle to top because they got me from the junior to middle. And I was really wrong. So I have um, done many more things to try to break that um, bottleneck because I really felt many people stuck at the middle and uh, some people even stuck at the middle until the end of their career and never break through to the top. Um, because it really requires a different way of thinking and different set of qualities. Um, what I have tried, many things that were wrong is to even work more, deliver more to show I can do more. I can be one person doing three people's job. I was in once very proud of that. And I then realized, okay, no, you need to, you need to, um, uh, you know, get yourself exposure, sponsors, mentors. And I tried all of those leadership trainings. And I really, in the end, I actually stuck in the middle management for eight years abroad. I was in, I was um, in Belgium and Sweden. And then I find some formula that actually worked. And this is how I now end up uh, uh, helping other middle management to get that top leadership role. There are these six things. And the first is really the limiting beliefs we all have on ourselves. Yesterday was really funny. I was talking with a client and he was like, it's easy for you. You know, you are a minority. You are a woman. You are Asian and you are thought after. It's easier for you compared to me as a German to because I'm a white, I'm a guy and I'm German. So now people, the policies actually favor you. I was like, you are completely crazy saying that because I had, I had so many limiting beliefs on myself. For example, I don't speak Swedish. How can I be the head of communication in a Swedish company who doesn't speak Swedish, cannot read Swedish news? And how can I you know, I'm quite tiny. So I have, I work with a lot of German and Swedes and they are like 190 <laughs> centimeters. So basically I'm, I'm somewhere around their chest or their stomach when we're taking a group photo. And these are all the things that makes me look small and think small. And these are my limiting beliefs. And these are also, as I discover many clients' limiting beliefs, it can be their nationality. Like people from Eastern Europe will think they are not good enough to work in Western Europe and compete with Western Europeans. These are all limiting beliefs. So second, and second part is um, really about uh, um, time and priority and attention management, where many people um, let the day eat them, that let the day autopilot and instead of they control their day. And uh, that's the second thing. And that's very easy to let, for example, your company set a target. You just say, oh, my my day, my purpose is my target. And so that is that is a very easy way to autopilot and not managing yourself. And the third thing is also there, most people don't know where they are going and their why. And 
this is so critical because when you are a leader in a top uh, company, you need to understand your own why, your company why, you need to set the vision. But if you don't even have a vision for yourself, you are just following everyone else's lead. How can you lead as a leader? So many people's why is, is not so clear. And the fourth element is that when they are um, delivering their own story of why they should be the top leader, they're not able to deliver the why that has everything in it with the stakeholder in their story. So they make it all about themselves. Many people say, oh, but writing resumes and cover letters, it is about myself. Well, no, it's not about you. It's about what's in it for them. So many people really missed out that point. And of course, there are other things about working with sponsors and have the sponsors who pounding on the table using their political capital to uh, advocate for you. But why should they? And what is your story that they can tell to others? And so these are... Uh, the five mistakes and the sixth mistake is um, when it comes to uh, salary negotiation, many people also make it too, too personal. They make it about, oh, you undervalue me. And so you got so much emotion in this uh, salary negotiation, which is another mistake many people would make when they go on all the way to the top. There are so many things that I want to follow up on there. I'm taking notes over here to make sure I ask at least 50% of the things. Those six points are excellent. And as you finish up with the taking the salary too personal, I'm getting goosebumps. But but many times I have uh, gone wrong in, in my career doing that. So thank you for including that and helping others to hopefully avoid uh, that situation. Um, but I will start off the comment, the thinking that the hard work, more results, that's the way to go. Generally, that's not going to work out well because uh, that'll get you to, well, if they can do this, they can probably do a little bit more as opposed to, to pushing them ahead. So that's, you know, I, I too am faulty of or at fault thinking, well, if I just work harder, I just have better results and I, I must get ahead. And that, as you point out, not the reason why. I want to take one follow up though. You mentioned uh, being very competitive because that was how you were raised. Uh, I was just wondering what... Having that kind of childhood, that kind of development where competition around everything uh, has turned out positively for you, uh, what what other you know what kind of setting was that like? Was was everything truly competitive, or how were you able to turn that into a positive? Because sometimes when everything is a competition, it can unfortunately devolve into a negative. So how were you able to turn that uh, competitive atmosphere in, into a a positive outcome? Yeah, wow! It started as just want to survive <laughs> in in a in a place like China you know my first job I was competing with 7,000 students in the classroom huge many classrooms for seven jobs that was how uh how we get hired in the first place and that was just to survive because in a place like China there's not so much on social benefits etc to cover you if you are not able to um support yourself so in the beginning, this competitiveness comes from, I just want to survive in this society. And I have to tell you, I suffered a lot with later on with this mentality when you come to Europe, which you don't see such aggressiveness in the way people work and approach job and approach success. And that also sometimes make me seem to be too impatient if we put it nicely, if it's not, Nicely is just too aggressive and uh, you know, just want to just want to do more and deliver more. I know 
um, in early days when I was not really leading so much, my team members suffered a lot because they felt this competitiveness that I, I, I'm sure they can tell you. They maybe never told me, but I clearly felt it. Later on, when I become a leader, I realized that was a problem and I need to turn this into something else that fuels other people's motivation rather than as a threat to if we don't do this, we're going to get fired, you know, would headcount will go down. And so uh, it, it took me a while to go through this journey. And nowadays I'm able to turn that thirsty and these, these uh, mentality into something to help me and help team members to thrive instead of, um, you know, instead of just want to survive and just want to get ahead for no purpose. So I, I'm going to try to tie all of this together and I'm going to do a poor job at it. But I, I just, I love what you said. We both chuckled when you said I did it just to survive, which, you know, is is funny to hear, but it, it's accurate as you describe it. And then as you d- kind of mentioned the uh, culture, the mindset difference between Eastern and Western Europeans, and then similar to, to understanding how serious some um, <clears throat> situations are. And then a lot of it is, time, place, and how we uh, kind of think about things. And then delimiting beliefs, your your number one, one point is that we understand you know, that we only think small or we think of the context that's ahead of us, when in, in reality that it is really just uh, how we are, are looking at things. Um, if you walk through the way that competition can be good and bad very well and how, how it has served you and how in other settings it hasn't. So thank you for doing that. Um, but one thing I certainly wanted to follow up on, uh, kind of the second piece to the the hard work and getting results was uh, having exposure in an organization, having mentors, having uh, that kind of relationship with people who may be ahead of you, maybe in, in roles or in positions you're looking to get to toward. Um, I've seen that go wrong, even when the intentions are good and the the even the execution is good, they don't work out well. What's a good way to either uh, approach someone who you would like mm-hmm. to mentor you, guide you, help you, and or help somebody else? Uh, I think that that's a really important thing, but unfortunately, it does not always go as planned for either party. Yeah. I've also personally made many of these mistakes as well when it comes to sponsorship and mentorship. Uh, In the beginning, I just thought, you know, it's a a pick. You go and take the advice they gave to you. And I was kind of passive around that. And for sponsorship as well, I just thought I'm I'm good and they, they should, you know, speak for me. But in reality is that they would only help someone if your success can fuel their success. And um, I think with this mentality, maybe there are some people who are really, really kind. They just want to give. But to have that mentality yourself, to think that in order for them to give to me, I need to give back, that will make it a much healthier relationship as well. That means that when you go and uh, someone is want to, want to sponsorship your success, that means when you are not in, on the table, uh, when they discuss your succession plan, your um, promotion, your salary review, and this person will be able to speak up for you so that you go up in the ladder in the ranking. And when they do that, they need to be able to see helping you will also help them. And your success, it, you, that could also mean that to promote you to their own team, 
as their direct reporting line, if they are in a very senior role, that will help them to attract other cap talents to their team to show them the other possibilities, the diversities they have, et cetera. So you need to be able to understand what role you play in their success. When you approach them, you will have a much different perspective instead of just thinking, oh, but they, they said they will help me and they didn't. Oh, I still haven't got that job. And are they really helping or not? Are they, you know, <laughs> just thinking, expect others to give. But instead, uh, making everything about them will make it much easier in your way to approach with them and how you can do it for them. Can you take some responsibilities and some lead for the help they need? Maybe there are certain projects they are looking for some uh, person to turn people to lead on top of their current job, which I often did is to take it for them and take it for them and also give me a chance to grow and they will appreciate and want to give back to you. And that's uh, not surprisingly another fantastic answer because that gives a much uh, a much more positive way to do and jokingly the three jobs in one is like don't you know don't look to do your job three times if you can if you can help somebody else by understanding what's important to them and taking something off their plate maybe going above and beyond your job by by helping them you are gaining their trust and showing I have aptitude in this when you are looking to bring on a new team member you know promote somebody I've already done this and I've already shown that that I have interest there so it's it's kind of going above and beyond but in a way that's more positive than just doing your job uh you know 300 percent so that's a great example and that kind of ties back as you were talking about the six mistakes your resume and cover letter it goes back to all of it that if you start from the perspective is it's about me what can i do what can you know how does this affect me as opposed to what problems can i solve for you for the team what can i take off of uh, these these overworked uh, individuals take off of their plate and kind of help out with it just it, it's all about a mindset just and it's not not being completely selfless it's just understanding that everyone is thinking, what's in it for me? How can you help me? And if you can tap into that at all, that, that'll that certainly help out. Definitely in the interview process. And then even as you mentioned, the, the mentorship and the sponsorship, that it still is going to be, how can I play into this person's success either way? So very, very, uh, very astute points there. Uh, kind of somehow we are we are nearing time. So I would like to ask a couple of questions. Uh, inspire my day. How did you come up with that name? <laughs> I'd always think I would like to have the name Inspire. Then, after I have given many tries, all the names I want is gone. <laughs> inspire me, inspire you, inspire her, inspire him. It's all gone. And uh, in the end, I, oh, I, I also would like to have inspired your day. And that was also gone. So I never had, I, I got inspired my day. I thought, oh, that's great. Because um, if this, if certain you are reading it, you said it's inspired my day. So it, it works because I want to inspire your day, but uh, it, it works when you read it yourself. So I was like, that's a good, uh, that's a good name. Just take it. It was within maybe 15 minutes. I just bought it. <laughs> there you go. And just tying back why influence inspire, you know, makes sense as opposed to other things. So I love that. And what does that look like? What is your, if you have a normal day to day, what does that look like? And how are you working with your clients? Yeah. So my normal day to day, um, I design my day. So I have the morning reserved for developing solutions for my clients that including um, developing modules, curriculums and record for them. And I put all the afternoon to help them, that including coaching, including replying their emails and consulting for them for any troubleshooting they will need. 
Um, so basically, my days are divided by these two. Of course, I have the third part, which is self-growth. That is to use to listen to different podcasts like yours and uh, audiobooks. That's the part where I grow myself. So my days is developed, um, it is divided by these three sections. That's 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 another good answer, especially with having the the day broken up in a way where where it has different focuses, and especially the part of self growth. I think the common understanding is that someone who has reached the top of the ladder, the top one percent, the top where you are, I don't need to do anymore. Where in, in reality, you, there you'll never learn enough. You'll never stop uh, getting better. Never stop improving. So having that as part as one of your top. The three or four highlights is, is important to to get on, onto uh, into our discussion today. Um, with that, I, I came across the One Percent Academy. What is that, Tiffany? <laughs> I love this name, don't you? <laughs> um, the One Percent Academy means that you are the top one percent in a company in terms of your income, impact, and influence. Okay, <laughs> that's and, simple. <laughs> and if I am looking to get there. What does working with you look like? Are we are we working one on one together? Are there are there modules for me? Is it is it something I can do by by listening to audiobooks, podcasts? Do you what what is what what does our engagement look like? Yeah, I have um, two. I I would say do, let's divide them into two. First is the paid program, which uh, have a one on one coaching with my clients, and my clients are typically people who are in the middle management. Uh, for a number of years, and they are uh, really eager to grow into the top uh, 1% of an organization, can be their own organization or another one externally. And they work. I work with them to help them to get there. And there are customized coaching curriculums, videos, and templates, worksheets that I use to help them and including one-on-one coaching calls. And for the ones who are not ready to join the paid program, they can, I have many free resources include, they're actually all on my website, inspiremyday.org. And I also have a YouTube channel where I uh, release video every week uh, where I address different challenges and issues and the questions these middle management um, need uh, to solve. So there are two resources, free and paid. Excellent. So we will be sure to post to both of those in the show notes. Uh, if anyone wants to find out more or get in touch with you, is there any other place they should go or is, is the website the best starting point? Yeah, all the resources uh, can be found on the website. So on the website, you can find, for example, the checklist, which is free, which I outline the 17 qualities you need to become a senior leader from middle management. I also have developed a quiz, which is also free. You can discover your influence style and get a customized report. And I also have a free training how to go from middle to the top, which is about one hour long. They can also find on my homepage. Very nice. So check that out, everyone. That uh, Those are wonderful resources that Tiffany has. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about your professional career, moving around, uh, a lot of serious-ish topics. When you are not working so hard, getting amazing results and helping your clients, how do you relax, unwind? Uh, what do you do for fun, Tiffany? Oh, for fun. I think my my fun has been with my kids recently. <laughs> I mean, before them, I have many variety of funds. 
But I have, um, since my son was born, he's now six years old. He's easier. But my daughter is still like a baby, even though she's four years old, but she behaves like a baby. So I spend a lot of time with them. And um, they are not typical Chinese, very nice, uh, well-behaved kids. They need a lot of attention because they go to French school. You know, they're a bit crazy. Um, so I definitely spend a lot of time having fun with them when I'm not working. Well, as the father of a five and a four-year-old, and as well as, as a one, I certainly understand when you talk about behavior and crazy and not as nice and behave as they should be. So I get it. Um, <laughs> so we, I, we've we covered a lot, Tiffany. Is there anything that I did not ask you today that I probably should have? I can't think of any. You are an excellent, uh, uh, excellent host. And uh, I really felt I've never been so short and brief, but have touched all the points. Well, you gave excellent answers. I will always take the compliments. So thank you very much. Uh, check out uh, Tiffany's website. Check out the uh, YouTube channel, Inspire My Days, the company. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us. This was a wonderful learning experience and a lot of fun. So thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.